Episode 6, Finding Your Passion, From Chiropractic to Nurse. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today, you're hearing Dr. Martin Bayer's perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Welcome to this week's show, everybody. If you follow me on any of the social media, you know we got back a couple weeks ago from Malaysia. So if you like travel pics, go on over there. And as always, stay tuned after the show for travel tips. All the show notes can be found at adoctorsperspective.net slash zero six. If you happen to hear any rooster noises during the interview, I apologize. I live in a city. There's roosters next door. There's only so much I can do. But hey, it's the year of the rooster and I've got a China Asian fish in my logo for a reason. So I guess it goes together. Thanks for understanding. Today's guest, Dr. Martin Beyer, doctor of chiropractic, bachelor's of science in nursing. He goes deep, real deep in his background story about how he went from chiropractor to being a nurse and just going through his thought process. And I know there's, there's a lot of doctors out there who have thought about doing something else, but for whatever reason, going into more debt, the feeling like maybe, maybe you feel like a failure that you spent all this time and money getting a degree and now you don't even want to use it. Or what will my friends and my colleagues think about it? Right. And then the other side is there's a lot of people that are thinking about doing it. So it could be very helpful. So wherever you are, I think you're going to get something out of this episode today. So let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Welcome to the show, Dr. Martin Bayer, DC, BSNRN. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for the introduction. I like that. So. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't give the most robust introductions because that's kind of the first question. I want you to talk about yourself and what you feel like is worth sharing. So let's jump in. What, what made you decide to be a chiropractor and then eventually become an RN as well? Yeah, well, my journey with a chiropractic was quite quite simple in the sense that I was uh, I was hurt um, in a car accident, and then I uh, I went through traditional uh, you know went, went through surgery, went through um, uh, physical therapy, and I still felt like I had somewhere to go, and so I just was lucky enough to have a uh, a friend whose father was a chiropractor, and so he he took me in. He started adjusting my neck, and I started getting more range of motion in a damaged arm that I had, and it kind of just uh, it you know it, it it blew my mind a little bit, and so I started you know looking into it, and the, the doctor who I was seeing this was back in Canada uh, told me. Um, what school to go to, where he knew someone, and so I, I, uh, I, I got my prereqs done, and I, uh, I applied to Texas Chiropractic College there. So, and that's uh, that's in Houston, right? Yep, that was a uh, well, Pasadena, technically, right? Oh. So, so you're Canadian. Canadian, well, British, British by birth, Canadian by uh, immigration, and then a U.S. citizen by immigration. Following that, so. Well, we just got them all on this. I was this like, yeah, covering it, covering it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So did you have a your own practice? What was your journey with chiropractic? Uh, well, I was like, just based on my, um, my situation was when I graduated from chiropractic uh, college there, I was, I was an international student at the time. So I wasn't an American citizen. I had a green card, but I wasn't, um, 
by any means a guaranteed uh, permanent residency or whatever the case may be. So I, I had a, you know, the, the same amount of debt that most of us have leaving a chiropractic institution. The only difference is that my, uh, my loans were largely private and unsecured. So it made securing um, money for your own practice or my own practice difficult. So I started out just w- working as a chiropractic associate in a uh, high-volume practice in uh, uh, Leavenworth, Kansas, for those who, who know the Midwest there. It's just about uh, known for prisons more than anything, I think, but uh, about an hour outside of Kansas City. And I worked for uh, a gentleman there for... Uh, I don't know. It always seems longer than it is, I guess, but at least a couple of years there, you know, t- somewhere between, you know, two and four years. And I also um, had a little uh, practice in a town in uh, Topeka, Kansas, where I had uh, I rented space and tried to have another, um, uh, a second, a second business going there. And that went on. I probably worked in uh as an associate and an independent uh, business owner combination for probably about a year and a half, two years before I, I moved out to where I am now in Arizona. How was that? Was it difficult to have both? Did you see success in one versus the other? Yeah, it was a, it was a failed attempt largely based on just resources being spread too thin and how can you be fully invested in your own practice when you're still working primarily for, for someone else. But for me, the situation was more of a chance just to break out and say, Hey, I know I can't, I can't get the, the finances secured. Or, or get them secured and still eat food and have, you know, lights and running water. So that was just, it was an, uh, an attempt by me to kind of break the mold and, and just, just tr- try, make an, make an attempt to push out on my own and get some independence there. Right, right. But then you ended up uh, going to Arizona. Yep. Yep. So, it, so in a couple of things in that practice I was in there, I was in there with, uh, it was, a uh, the practice I was in in Topeka where I was renting space. I was in there. I rented, I rented the space, um, from a very generous chiropractor there who pretty much just said, Hey, look, I, I'm going to be retiring in a few years. You just give me a, like a cut of what you make and we'll call it good. We'll call it good. So I wasn't in, in a situation where I was going to pay thousands of dollars for uh for a rent and then and not have anything back there but in that same practice there was another uh spot rented out to another young chiropractor who graduated from a uh, cleveland chiropractic college in kansas city about the same time and she had already begun the transition to the medical world where she was going to her get her uh, doctorate in um well, become a do essentially there at one of the one of the one of the Kansas City schools, and so she was very keen on that, and um, wanted to encourage me to do the same as her. Only, again, you start looking at finances, and it didn't make much sense to me. You know, you've got you're, you're riddled with student loan uh, debt from one one so career. So double your student loan, and yeah, and no thanks, you know. Yeah. And so, so what happened to me in a Kansas is I was uh, sitting in an office on a January morning and uh, freezing rain was banging off the windows and 
I didn't see my life's great adventure ending in Kansas. And so I just sat down one morning and I applied for jobs from Fairbanks, Alaska, just down to Corpus Christi, Texas. And just to see what would happen. But a, uh, an office in Mesa, Arizona, um, liked my resume, called me up. I was down there interviewing in a few weeks. And I, I was probably February, I interviewed, February of 2008, I interviewed. And then uh, June of 2008, I moved out to Arizona to start in a practice where the primary idea was that I would work with a gentleman uh, who was in his... Uh, um, I think he was in his sixties at the time. And then I would, uh, I'd transition them out, you know, essentially, and, and, and assume a practice that way, a pack, a practice with an active cash flow, a practice with, um, uh, established patients, a 20, 30 year history. And that was, yeah. uh, that was going to be a really good thing for me. And that's where my, uh, where my life was headed. And then, um, uh, September of 2008, uh, a lot of a lot of things changed across the United States of America. There, you know, they had a little mm -hmm. bit of a a downturn in the economy. The stock market dumped, you know, all that stuff. So there I was with um, in a new practice with a doctor whose projections were based on a booming economy and a booming housing market and a booming, you know, vibrant growth based, you know, city. And it, the whole place almost like stopped dead in its tracks about that time, you know, and then yeah, uh, so, the buyout suddenly dropped. <laughs> yeah, you know, people people's million dollar homes became one hundred eighty thousand dollar homes overnight, and all these yeah. uh, all these wild things. And so they struggled. We struggled through that, and of course, you know, the the, the numbers didn't come because the projections were now not what the projections were. And then somewhere around. Um, uh, probably the end of 2009, December of 2009, we got a letter from Blue Cross Blue Shield and they said, hey, it looks like, you know, we're going to pull out a chiropractic or we're not going to have any, uh, any we're not, you know, we're not going to accept claims or there's a chance we're not going to or there's not, not going to be, we're not going to have any in-network in, in chiropractors or anything anymore. Wow. And, and so, yeah, so this letter, so I could tell that, you know, the, the work situation itself wasn't, I could I, I could see the the poor uh, owner racking his brain trying to find a way to make it work, yeah. and then I had um, you know one of those things where I was just standing on the cusp of spending all this money to buy a practice, and I think I was thirty I was thirty one or thirty two years old at that time, and I just said. You know, I, I just felt like I, I, I'd been going uphill since I graduated in 2004. It's now two. It's now six years later. I was I, I really wasn't sure of the traction I was getting or the projections I could get. And so one morning, with the encouragement of my now wife, just uh, got up and just said, "Hey, let's see, let's see what else is out there." Mm -hmm. And that's how so, the journey started. So, so when you were uh, in the practice. Working with this guy, how was the the situation? Were you were you gonna build it, grow it, and then at that point come up with a price, or did you all start with a price and it's just like yeah went crazy after that with the numbers all falling off the roof? Yeah, so it started off with just I, I was really in a place where I was just 
I think I, I was still young enough. I just wanted to do start and have an adventure, go to someplace new and do it. And so I kind of, I gave them a price of what I could work for, and you know, kind of like a bare minimum, just make things make things work, get by, pay my loans comfortably, pay rent, have a car payment, that kind of thing. Right. And then um, uh, it was a high end practice, and so there was never really a number a number discussed. But I knew the number was going to be substantial. But based on based on everything that was happening, I didn't. I wasn't really worried about it, just because. I didn't foresee the the economic collapse that came after that there, but right. the idea well the idea was that I would uh you know help build it, transition, learn the business, learn what works in that part of the world, and then head down you know tr- you know he'd transition out, I'd transition in, and then we'd maintain those numbers by him you know kind of helping with the hiring process and bringing in a uh you know, another, like an associate. So essentially I would, I would graduate to, uh, to office boss and then I would bring in an associate like I was to help, help maintain the numbers like I was doing for him. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like as a student, if a student or someone who's in that same position where like, I'm tired of working for this guy, I want to start over. Should I, you know, should I even consider? So hindsight's 2020. Yeah. Bearing the, um, economic downturn is that is that a scenario that you think could work for people or just sort of stay away from that what is your opinion i'm split on it now you know hindsight being what it is because it's a lot of it i think the guy um i was with i i still believe to this day was legitimate that he would he would he would definitely do that but i'd also you know have heard the tale of many other uh associates who've been promised that little uh that chance and it never comes you know the the, the doctor's going to retire the doctor's going to sell the practice and move out of state the doctor's going to do something and then you know yeah th- two years go by four years go by five years go by whatever the case is and their their situation's the same as when they first walked into the you know the, the doors of that practice and you know as There's a 40 percent difference in value compared yeah. to what you think versus what he thinks You're yes like, uh yeah maybe we should have a third party evaluate it, this thing it's crazy things or they or, or your or your numbers are going up and the practice is vibrant but your your numbers are staying the same and there's no there's no money to help you like improve improve your own financial situation but right. there is there is room in the budget for a, a lexus or an aviator or a navigator or whatever the you know a ford yeah. lariat or something you know some there's always there's always money for toys but there's never money for you as the associate i don't think there so yeah you almost have to walk into the contract knowing mm-hmm. you know ahead of time what is the contract what kind of raises can we expect yeah. Otherwise, that is what happens, and everybody ends up getting upset about it, and yeah, it's, that's no good. Now, then, take us. You decided to do the Bachelor of Science Nursing. No, so it was a little, little uh, less direct than that because okay, um, it was. I, I like. I, I I really enjoy. I really enjoyed being a chiropractor. It was it was a fun job. It was fun getting people better. So I wanted to stay in a healthcare. So I just sat down and made a list of things in healthcare I would be interested in doing. Mm-hmm. And so it started with. I thought about nursing about the time early on in my chiropractic career, just because while I was in school, I had a couple classmates whose wives were both nurses down in the greater Houston area. And they told me they, what they did, their job responsibilities and what they were bringing home. 
Right. And, and this was like early 2000. And according to the husbands, the, 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 the wives were bringing in like somewhere between 70 and $90,000 a year in, you know, early 2000s Houston there, you know. So, yeah, just punch a clock. It's kind of nice. Yeah, punch a clock. You swipe in, you swipe out. They work three days a week. They work four days a week. You know, either way, they're getting three days, three or four days off a week, even if they're picking up an extra shift. And I was like, you know, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound that bad. So nursing was on there. I had physical therapy on the list. And I had pharmacy on the list just based on my pre-med prerequisites from undergrad. I had organic chemistry. I I had, (laughs) yeah, you know, what am I qualified for educationally? Like what could I walk into and get into a program? And so there was a PT school just five miles down the road from me. And so I, um, I just knocked on the door to see what was going on there. And they wanted a, they said, well, you know, it's, it's a full-time program. And I get, and I said, I get that. And they say, it's going to be roughly, you know, $150,000. Yeah. You know, okay. I think well, they're all in cahoots. Yes, I think they like are. Every, yes. every professional school that like, is just, that's about, well, yeah, it's 150, 200, you know. 150, 200. And so there was a pharmacy school on the other side of town, which would have been about, you know, in traffic anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half commute, pretty consistent, and a full-time school. And it was in, it was, it, it was buttoned up against $200,000. And then I, down the road from me, about an hour in a, in a very rural community was a school called Central Arizona College. Mm-hmm. And they offered a nursing program at the junior college level. And they charged roughly $6,000 for the program. And it was a and it was a part time program at that. So I discussed it. I, I applied. I got accepted. I talked to my then employer in the chiropractic world, who said, "You know what? The way the market is, I don't need anybody full time. I'm just looking for a part time person anyway." So I was able to adjust my work schedule and my school schedule, and I was able to still work as a chiropractor on a part time basis while going to nursing school you know three three days a week yeah Yeah. it was a really it was a really great situation for me it kept me kept me employed it kept me making money for the the base bills as you essentially go and and retrain you know from from, start start from the ground up because they like your credentials but they also want their money medicine yeah yeah yeah, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know much about pharmacy. We don't know much. There's a, a learning curve in there. But as the education went on, the chiropractic degree was phenomenal. And when you're just talking base anatomy and all the all all the questions that could come up as far as what is a what is a a, a, a physiological exam, what is a, a neurological exam, what is this, and you can I mean you had it you know as a primary care provider essentially. You're yeah. coming in. You're coming into it at a great. Uh, you you're know, making you're some not, straight A's. Yeah. Well, you know, as as much as you can. I, I don't work that hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Now, are you enjoying it? Are you you're employed now as an RN? Yeah. So I'm employed as an RN, and I work in the uh, operating room of all places. Okay. Um, and uh, it was quite a. Uh, it was it was a neat transition for me. I I, I left school. I, I I applied for a bunch of jobs, but you're not worth anything because you're. It's kind of an interest. You're kind of reliving your early stages again, where you're knocking on the door, begging for people to give you a chance, right? You know, again. And so, I eventually got a job with a, a network with um, a a cancer hospital, 
And so I took this job and I fully expected I would be on the chemotherapy floor, you know, with with infusion pumps and dosaging or, or whatever whatever the deal is with um with that just based based on the lay of the land, but I got pretty lucky as I got put into uh surgical oncology and I watched these um I was put in a head and neck cancer clinic and I was watching these doctors do these amazing free flaps and they're taking, you know, massive, you know, ca- cancerous incisions yeah. off the face and they're taking a, you know, a, a flap from the leg and they're combining it and they're just doing all these amazing things. And so I wanted to know more and I was in an environment with uh, surgeons who were very uh, open and very uh, responsive to their immediate I shouldn't say staff because we're, we're employed by the hospital, not the surgeons, but they were, they were engaged in us and they, they were engaged and, and they, um, they kind of said, Hey, you know, if you're interested, you should just be in there. So I got, there's a whole separate training program for that. So the, the company I was with, um, hired me into the, into the surgical program and gave me extensive training on what the, the needs of the operating room are and what you what the, the, the ins and outs and, right. and so that's what I do now. That's the, that's the day to day now is go in, punch the clock and then watch people, you know, have gallbladders removed or, you know, do you, do you ever had, did you ever have to have like, um, a, a mental shift coming from chiropractic, no drugs, no surgery, rah, rah, rah to, okay, this is what I'm doing for a living now. Was there ever a, uh, a struggle within you to, to rectify that or well i think I, I you know for me personally there still is like if i was to if i was to personally hurt my back i would my, my first start stop would not be you know to go to the family doctor and try to get some you know whatever it is ibuprofen or or painkillers or anything like that when i hurt my back i go to the yoga studio you know that's what i do there you know, i go uh I go do something active for myself. I'll go see a chiropractor. I'll go, uh, I'll go do something that, that, that fits more my belief system, which chiropractic completely filled my belief system on what I felt health should be, you know, mm-hmm. you know, give your body good nutrition, heal from the inside out, do that. And so it is a very different world where you're noticing that most of the people you either, most people you work with, definitely a lot of your patients are just like, I want, I want medicine. Medicine will make me better. Yeah. That's, that's what I want, you know? And it's like, who am I to, uh, who am I to argue with a belief system is kind of where I ended up falling into, you know, just cause my dad never took me to the doctor when I was sick and, you know, Johnny down the streets, mom had him taken like three courses of antibiotics, every flu and cold season there. Who's wrong? Who's right? I don't know. So I just kind of, I just kind of live in limbo there. So, and it does seem like the, the chiropractor, some of the chiropractors are like super straight, don't vaccinate, don't do all these things. And I mean, when you're talking about that, it's here, here's the paradigm and you're just bashing it. Mm-hmm. And people are kind of, I would say, what's a good word for it? Repelled, repelled, or a, you know, away yeah. from, away from it. But if you can accept where they are, I think that's a good thing for our profession to just accept that people want to take these things, educate them, but then don't force it down their throat because you're just going to push them away in a sense. Yeah. You're going to become, you're going to become, it's going to get too polarized and you're going to run them off. And it's not really about, I think the hard thing 
with a lot of things, and I, and I try to do it all the time, is just kind of check your ego at the door there. You know, it's like it's not about you and it's not about you and your needs and your wants or even your wants for the patient or your wants for the community. It's about giving the patient what what they want and what you can ethically provide for them there. Yeah. So switching gears just a little here. Yep. We kind of mentioned the college kids already with the system that you already have. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend, or I guess what would you recommend, but is it an idea for someone to maybe become a nurse? And then that way when they're in their professional schooling, they could do that as a job. And then I guess technically always had that to fall back on, but do the reverse order that you did, or what would you recommend to a, a college kid that's trying to figure out what to do with their life? Uh, it's a hard question because I know if somebody would have asked me that same one when I was going, it's like I knew I wanted to be a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew it. There was no doubt in my mind, one hundred percent. This is what I've wanted to do. This is the first thing I've really been passionate about in my in my adult life. I'm I'm doing it. And if someone would have told me to pump the brakes and not chase something down like that, I'm not sure how that would uh, would have gone over for me. Right. But fiscally, as now an older human being that's got a better grasp on finances and what it means to be closing in on 40 and still be paying student loans back that you acquired when you were 20 or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. I mean, numbers numbers don't lie. You know, I got, a, I got a nursing degree and a bachelor's degree in nursing for roughly the cost of two trimesters in chiropractic school. Right. You know, and uh, <clears throat> with that, with, with that, with that degree comes more than just the, um, the paycheck and the clock in the clock out. It comes with pretty significantly incredible uh, health insurance. That's and it comes, it, co- it comes with subsidized life insurance and disability insurance. And it comes with 403B matches and it comes with pensions and it comes with all these things that you just, like, I mean, if I would have, I mean, the company I work for now, after five years, you're vested in a pension. And I don't know even know who does that anymore. Definitely no chiropractic offices that I know of. A, what? Uh, a pension? I don't know yeah, this word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they exist still, which is the, uh, a really amazing thing is they're, uh, they're still out there. So from a, a fiscal standpoint, you, if you just say, hey, you know, you can go get a nursing degree not spend a terrible amount of money in the great scheme of things. And then when you're going through chiropractic school, not only do you have this background in nursing and healthcare and caring, but you also have a very viable job to keep you, you know, employed while going through that. But I think more of the the nursing reality is that you graduate and and, and for um in the chiropractic world I'd always be like, where are all the people? You know, I live in a city of four million people. Where are they? Why aren't they coming in here? And then as a nurse, you go, oh, they're in the hospital. That's where they are. You know, that's where they all are. That's where, they, <laughs> that's what, that's where they've been spending all their time. I'm, I'm getting 20, maybe 30 a month. Wow. Yeah. Watch out. Yeah, look out. I mean, and, and they're getting, I mean, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a never-ending wave of people going through those doors every way for everything from a runny nose to a you know, a broken bone or, or whatever the case may be. And it's just, um, it's just, uh, the, the health paradigm is just, uh, incredible. Cause it, it's just, again, it's, it's your belief system. It's like my back sore. Okay. I need to, what am I doing that's making my back sore and what can I do to strengthen my back? Yeah. 
to make it better. Or it's my back sore. Where's my pills? You know, where's my, where's my ibuprofen? Where's my heat pack? Where's my, where's my whatever? And, uh, and you know, the reality of the situation is right or wrong. And I don't think there honestly is one mm-hmm. is that, um, we want that satisfaction. We want that quick fix. And even if you just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a hard sell when you say my back hurts now and I want it better now. And I can do that with medication or an injection or right. whatever the case may be. Or you go to somewhere and say, well, I can, I can make you better in a month, but you got to come spend an hour with me three to four times a week for that month. Right. And, you know, and people start, you know, people don't have that kind of time. I don't think, at least in, in the, in the America I live in. Right. And it seems we we need to have like a, a, a rich charitable man or woman to just start advertising like crazy on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know what the little <clears throat> blue pill is, but we don't have, we don't have something that's easily patented mm-hmm. and someone can just make a ton of money off of. So it's hard to find a way to advertise nationwide yeah. like they do and have that kind of money to, to keep advertising so that people yeah. understand you could yeah. do this or you could go this route. It's going to mm-hmm. take longer, but you might find that you have better results long-term, long-term actually taking care of the issue. Yeah. And selling that, you know, and yeah, you know, so that, that was one part of it. The other part, I, I would really love to go back and tell like a, a young me or, or a young anybody going into the chiropractic world is one of the the shifts I found rather quickly where I was a, a graduate in 2004, 2005, started practicing. You're surrounded by chiropractors who probably graduated from school in the 1980s. They got out of school maybe with maybe with a hundred bucks in their pocket for all I know, but they never had like the debt that the, that you yeah. know, today, today's student has. And they lived in the eighties when insurance companies were paying a lot of money for procedures and things like that. Mm-hmm. Chiropractic, whatever the case was. And they made a lot of money in their early years. And now they, their overhead is nothing. Their practice is paid for and you're in competition with a doctor who's charging $26 an adjustment or $15. This guy down the street right. used to do $10 an adjustment. And I've got to charge 70 just to break even, you know, to pay, wow. to pay my bills. And that, that was the, the economics of healthcare and the really hard, that's a really hard part I'd like to uh, talk to people. But I can also tell you that someone told that to me. I'm like, no, that's not me. That's somebody else. You know, that's the, that's the weird guy. It sits, you know, that's got weird guy that sits in the corner of the class there, you know, not me. It's like when your friend tells you, Hey, you probably shouldn't marry this girl. You're like, Oh, come on. It's not that bad. And then you're like divorced four years later. You're like, Hey man, I should have listened to you. Yeah. Uh, You you don't know her like I know her, you know, that kind of thing there. Do you have any, um, desires to go on to be like a nurse practitioner or does that put you back into the entrepreneurial level that you may or may not want to be a part of? No, the the nurse practitioner is a, is an interesting thing. Um, for me personally, I kind of feel like I've paid my dues with schooling. You know, I'm kind of going the path of a, a least resistance. I've 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 got a career I like. I've got <clears throat> two health degrees I like, and the fact of the matter is, selfishly, after you've been self employed or you know, working without the safety net of a big corporation, when you get to the point where you can walk in, hit the time clock, 
work all day, work hard, hit the time clock, go home and not have to think about work Mm -hmm. when you're not there. You know, you're not getting, I don't get calls from patients in the middle of the night. You know, I don't get calls from patients on the weekend. I don't get uh, emergency calls. I don't do anything when my, when my day may be long, my my day may be hard, but every, even the worst shift comes to an end. And when you clock out, that's, that's it. There's no going home and there's no worrying about what's, what's tomorrow. What's, you know, where's, you know, is someone going to kick in the front door of my practice tonight to steal the TV in the waiting room is, is like, is a, is, is my staff going to show up tomorrow or, or or are they not going to show up or is, is there one more Saturday screening at the health fair? Yeah. One more, exactly. Things like that. You know, one, just one more, one more event where you sit and just hope to get, talk to you know 10 people over the course of four hours to try to get just turn that in and you don't and you don't you don't have to generate you don't have to do all you all you all you have to do is show up on time and smile and you're going to be uh you're going to be just fine there you know and what's what's interesting is i don't think you're alone in that you know some people might be listening to this and say okay well as a chiropractor sounds like maybe maybe he's not a go-getter it's like well not everybody is a go-getter no, yeah. Some people just need, you know, a job. And I'm not saying this as a bad thing because that's no. what I'm doing right now. I'm just punching a clock. But as a chiropractor, yes, you're kind of your choices. You can be an associate. You can yeah. have your own clinic or that's about all. That's your options. Yeah. And yeah. there's until mm-hmm. we can, I guess, until the hospitals see that we are valuable and that we provide a service that research is, I mean, it's blatantly clear that we help. But for whatever reason, it's, there's a struggle to get us into the hospitals to where we could have that type of more job security and without all these extra stresses. So yeah, uh, it's definitely an uphill battle. Do you uh, do you see that bridge gapping at any time soon, or is there? How do you any ideas on that thought? My my bias is what what would I do selfishly, or uh, I shouldn't probably not selfishly, but realistically, I uh, I keep my license active. Yeah, I'm still I'm still licensed because just in case something like that happens, but you could actually um, have a part time practice still. Yeah, if you only you work in three days a week. Yeah, well, I, I work more. You know, I have, <laughs> and, and and that's the thing. It's like that's the whole thing with like the go getter. You know, it's like you know, I worked uh, you know forty fifty hour weeks as mm-hmm. a chiropractor self employed, and I work you know I work forty fifty hour weeks as an employed person, and it's and double time. And double tap. Well, seriously, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're on call and that phone rings, you get paid twice as much for doing the same job on the Saturday night, you know, or whatever yeah. the case, the case may be. Sorry, that didn't work out for you today. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. I had my fingers I crossed. I appreciate but, it, though. <laughs> but that was, but that's like the real, the cynical part of it. And I think you could do, you like, and, and, I, and I've got some of that lateral violence from other chiropractors about how, you know, they're going to stick with like whatever the, the right way is or the hard job. It's not selling out and working for the corporate giant and feeding into a system, you know, is broken or whatever. You know, I've got, I've got plenty of that, but the other side of it is I've got plenty of phone calls saying, how'd you do it? You know, what are you making? You know, this is, you know, this is a quality of life issue at some point too, when that practice is consuming your, starts with your day then it slips into your evenings and it crosses over into your weekends and then what about vacation i mean i hadn't had a vacation in 
a long time before I took the nursing job there, you know? And so that was a big thing too. Let's, like, let's tap into that conversation because that was a question I asked everybody. So what kind of conversation, um, you were in Kansas, you were yep. in Arizona. Yep. What kind of vacations were you taking? What could you have done differently? And now, I'm assuming as a hospital, you get three to five weeks off per year. Yeah, or 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 more depending on how you stagger it there, you know. Yeah. So it's like you could have um, – so when I was in Kansas – I think how it was structured was the first year I was with the practice, you got um, you got nothing. I think for vacation, if I if I remember correctly, you got you got zero, Jeez. you got zero zero days off. And then the, after the after you'd been there a year, they gave you a week. After two years, two weeks, three years, three weeks, four years, four weeks, maxing out at four weeks of vacation a year there. Which I think I made it to three weeks before I left, but then. It's, it's nice to have that vacation time, but what about actually getting time approved off or being able to book vacations in advance or... I've heard that's an issue too. Oh, no, no, no. You can't actually take those vacation yeah, days. Yeah, uh... it's there, but it's not for you. It's, it's, it's to say I gave them to you or whatever the, <laughs> the case may be. And then when I left uh, Kansas to come to Arizona, I, uh, I started working in June and I took... Um, two days off in like November around Thanksgiving time of November 2008 to uh, go to my sister's wedding. And then after that, I got like five working days off a year is what I got. I got a week. I got a week off uh, for the next two years. I was there as a full-time employee. Could you three-day weekends? Mm-hmm. Um, they did a half day on Friday. So, you know, but, but, but you know. Built in. Yeah, built in, and those half when you, you know you know how it is. It's like you, you got a half day, so you plan. Okay, that's great. Let's do something at you know I'm going to plan something at one o'clock on Friday afternoon because the office closes at noon, and then you walk out at four o'clock in the afternoon. You know, or what? You know that that kind of someone shows up late, someone doesn't understand the office hours at that time of day, whatever the case may be. Your private practice, you can't say no, no. I mean, at least I couldn't say no. And it falls on you because you're the associate. So then you're in the situation again where you're an associate, you're making an okay living. You've got friends and classmates all around you struggling. You've got classmates failing. You've got you've got all this stuff. And so at some point you just have to say, well, do I need a vacation or what's, what's most important right now? And that's kind of where I was at was my goal setting. I'm going to work hard at this job. I'm going to buy this practice. This is my baby. Yeah, this is my baby. I'm going to hire someone and then I'll get to go on the, the two week vacation, like the big, like the boss is now or whatever. And that's kind of building it up. But then as that went, it kind of sounds like a mean thing to do to somebody. You know, it's like I'm going to put myself in a situation and make myself let myself go on vacations and leave leave someone with a bunch of work to do, not give them any time off and then try to feel good about doing to someone what I disliked so much when I was trying to come up the come up the and ranks the circle there. just keeps on <clears throat> and going. it goes yeah yeah and so you either destroy the mold which i wasn't in a, a place to do i'd love to go and be a huge success and bring other young people on and be like hey this is how this is how it's done this is how it can be let's let's do it but the ones that typically make the podcast episodes of, yeah yeah you're like let's talk to this guy who's Turn a practice from a hundred thousand to a million in six yeah. weeks. <laughs> That's a, it's amazing. Tell me it's more amazing. about Why that. Why can't you do it? 
Well, uh, you know, it's funny. It's, here, here's a good talking point, I guess, since you bring that up. I was where I where I started my decline of my love for chiropractic was I went to this. Um, I don't remember the name of the company anymore, but it was a a practice. Yeah, it was a good thing for this podcast. I won't even attempt to, you know, I won't even say it, but it was like, it was a flyer and they said, come see us. We'll tell you how to grow your practice and try to. And so I went to this thing, we listened to him talk. And then at some point, all the new people who hadn't been there before got ushered into a room. And it's just, it was a guy standing up front you know, there's a bunch of plants in the audience and he'd ask all these questions. Like someone would put up their hand and he'd come up with his lightning fast answer. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, how much space do you need? 1300 square feet, you know, and how much this you need? Do you need this? And how much? This? And it's like, you know, how can you answer questions? You're not even listening to the, the people aren't even finishing their answer and you're, and you're, you're shouting out. The there was, yeah. You know, so like what's, what's going on here? How, how do, how do you, how do you know what's coming your way? It's almost like you put people in the audience to ask the, so I got really cynical and then what they, they had something in there about how to, how to double your practice, you know, value or double your practice, um, uh, size or, and it's like, okay, well, this is, this will be interesting to hear about. And the honest solution was treat people twice as much. Womp womp. I was like, oh no, you know, so all these great ideas I thought I was going to walk into and go back and start implementing on Monday or, or, or join a group and sign up with or whatever it was. I was like, we have a five star platinum rated script that you just need to follow to the T. Yeah, that's right. And that's what it felt like to me. And I was like, and then so, so my cynicism started going to, is there, is there more money in chiropractic? By being a chiropractor, or is there more? Would you become a chiropractor and then sell a system to chiropractors and hope they buy into it and pay you that fee every month to uh, to, to to feed you, and you just get to go around the country doing cool things, staying in nice hotels and resorts, and then telling people what they should do to be a big success like you. But there's no way you're doing anything but the but the circuit there, you know, and so. I mean, how many coaches haven't even practiced for like 20 years? Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Anything else on that? No. That's, I think I cover, I think, I think, I think that covers it unless we double back to it. I don't know. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. So I'm going to ask uh, one last question on this track and then we're going to switch gears to a little more personal and then the fun questions for the end. Okay. Okay. What does, uh, what does Dr. Martin have as for his own five years or 10 year goals? And how do you know if they're worthy of your pursuit? Okay. Um, my five year and 10 year goals are are actually pretty darn bland. You know, I like, uh, I think, you know, I, I turn, uh, I turn 40 this year and what I really want to know what it feels like is what it feels like to, uh, work and get paid and have that money you earn be yours. You know, I want, what does it feel like to have that drop into your, your bank account and, be all your money there, you know? So I, uh, I work a lot because I'm, uh, my five-year plan involves like massive debt acceleration there. You know, it it involves, um, no car payments, which I don't have, but it involves 
no house payment. It involves no credit card payments. It involves nothing other than the only payment I want to make is right into my 401k. You know, that's what, that's the payment I want to make every month. Boom. And so, yeah. I like that. Okay. And, and get ready for, get ready for whatever happens at 55 or get ready for, uh, you know, I don't know what it feels like to work and actually have that money be yours because most of mine's spoken for by the time, uh, you know, it drops in the bank account. The tax man takes so much. The student loan company takes so much. The bank for the mortgage takes so much. And it's like you're working, working, working. But what are you, what 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 are you showing for it there? You know. So that's one of those things I'd like to see in the next five years for sure. And if so. and if any students are listening to this podcast right now, your student loan payments, depending on your interest rate and all that, could easily be seven hundred to up to fourteen hundred dollars a month. My my student loan my mortgage is eleven hundred dollars a month. My student loan payment is thirteen hundred dollars a month. There, uh, that's that's a true statement right there. That's a, that's food, <laughs> that's that's food for thought. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> besides working, besides pushing money away for for retirement and paying off debt, what occupies your mind? Kids, volunteering, hobbies, you know, around that that yeah. line of thought. Uh, animals. My, my, uh, I got, I got a couple, a couple dogs and, a, you know, I, I like animals. That's, that's my thing there. I like, um, I like, uh, my vacations I like. I, I like going to the same places, you know. I, I like going to the cabin in the woods, you know. I, I like going, I like hiking around that cabin. I like, uh, I like sitting out on the porch and watching the sunset. I like stupid stuff like that there, you know. That's my, that's my thing. I don't live like a rock and roll lifestyle on, uh, <laughs> Where's this cabin Oh, there's a beautiful spot. If you're ever in Arizona, Greer, G-R-E-E-R, Greer, Arizona. It's out uh, towards the New Mexico border, northern northern Arizona towards the New Mexico border. And it is just about one of the nicest places on the face of the earth, I bet, there, just to get away. How do you get a home-work balance? What's a, what's a good strategy to, to achieve that if you're, if you're struggling? Yeah, so I think... The strategy would be you have to make time for it. You know, it's it's easy. I think the strategy is, the idea is you work hard and you come home and you and you play hard or you do something. And I think the reality for most of us young professionals is you work hard, you have your work life, you come home and something something horrible happens on that drive home. I always think there, you know, that twenty minutes or hour or whatever it is to get home, and then. I think the real key is to get home and not sit on the couch, I think, is probably the real, the real key to home life balance because, uh, or work life balance, because that's the, the problem I sink into all the time is you work all day, especially in a, a healthcare field, you're giving all day. It's, 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 it's a, it's a give, 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 and then you get home and you just, I don't know how much is left for you or how much is left for the family or how much is that. So do you have a tactic to help with that? Um, not, not an effective one that I found yet there, you know, I, I, I am unfortunately one of those types that, uh, I'll let work take over. I'll let work creep into my, my, my own time. I'll let, I'll let work sink in in the middle of a TV show or middle of a movie or something like that. I'll, I'll, I'll get that, but I think that's just part of the 
the process. And I'm sure by the time I'm good at it, it'll be time for me to retire anyways there. The time I, I set up those walls. And I, I like to say, you know, you clock in, you clock out, and you don't worry about it. But that's not how healthcare works, I don't think, in anywhere there. It's always it's always sitting there. And, I, and to say it's just healthcare is probably egocentric as well there. But I, mean, I think it's just work in general. If you care about your job, if you if you want to do a good job, it's incredibly difficult just to just to turn it off completely and clear your head. So I think for me, I know the one thing I think I need to do personally, one thing more people know is just like uh, little mini vacations, not even like staycations, but just change, change the scenery, do something different. Just, just distract your mind as much as you can, just so you can actually get some, some time away Right. Okay. Now you said you're married. So what type of things can you do to keep the love alive and stay connected with your spouse? Uh, work less. No, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't know. I've, I've always been a big one for, for the, for the little things. So it's just, it's, it, I think it's easy to get caught up in, in a work relationships where you're spending eight, 10 hours a day with people who aren't who aren't your family and you have fun, you do, you do whatever. And then when you, you go home, you got, you're, you're exhausted, you're tired and, and your family definitely doesn't always get the best of you there. You know, I think if the, if you can, if you can somehow curb that and just save a, a little something for when you, when you get home and I, I, I like the little things. I like doing things together. I like my wife and I walk our dogs together. We, we go to yoga together. We go to the gym together. We try to do every as much as in our in our time together. We just try to do as much together as as possible. And that's I think that's a challenge as you get into a workplace. By the time you, you factor in gatherings and happy hours and office parties and people wanting to go out f- for a, for a cocktail after a stressful day or whatever the case may be. There's all these detractors from uh, your relationship which shouldn't be you know the, the focus should always be well I shouldn't say always but the, the, the focus should primarily be home and right. then with, with a little bit of a with fun sprinkled around it where I think with the stress of the job with pe- you, you want to be around people who kind of understand the stress of the job understand the day um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's easy to get distracted and, and pulled away from the people you work so hard for to spend time with people you've already spent the whole day with anyways there. And so I think that's probably the, the, the I just, I just say the, the, the little things there. So, you know, I noticed when I was in uh, Colorado, I'd hear about young professionals and they're going out after work and getting a drink. And I'm like, man, when I get off work, I'm, I'm struggling to find people, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I'm off work later than they are. I was like, I don't live downtown Denver. So I was like, by the time I get there, everybody's gone. So I was like, I, I don't even know what this is. So yeah. I always felt like I was missing. Am I missing? Some, am I missing something? I don't know. Yeah. It's like, you know, you get out at six, happy hour ended two hours ago, man. You know, they've been out since they, 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 they packed up, they arrived at three and they rolled up at four thirty, and that was it. You know, that was, yeah. it's all, it's all over. So that's, uh. It's it's a hard thing. I don't think I missed too much. <laughs> I don't think so either. I don't. I, I think yeah. it's uh, hugely overrated there. So, so last couple of questions. Do you have a morning or a lunch routine that that grounds you or excites you for the rest of your day to stay focused? 
Oh, it's a, it, it is a, a extremely exciting. I get up, I feed my dogs. <laughs> you know, that's about, you know, the, the, the dogs are so happy to see me all the time. You know, it's like, hey, the food guy's here. So they're, they're all juiced to see me. Yeah, they're excited, man. They're jumping around. They're about to get fed. They're happy. It makes me happy. Um, but as far as the routine, I try to save like the routines I like the most are the ones are the on, on the weekends where it's like wake up with the with the spouse, go downstairs, have a cup of coffee, talk, watch the news, complain about how bad the world is, <laughs> go for a walk, go do whatever you know whatever the case may be there, and then um, right, and then you know th- those are the routines I like, and that's really the stuff that will energize me for for the work week because you know my my alarm goes off at 4 30 which is which is late compared to most people because i'm lucky i I get to be born a a male and i don't have to look good ever you know and it's acceptable to to roll up into you know especially working in the operating room you can't you know they have to provide you with sterile scrubs so you don't even have to dress nice going to work you know they say dress for the job you want and i sometimes think maybe i want the job of like a i don't know i, I don't even know what I, I look terrible going into work i look like a bum <laughs> yeah i do i look like a i look like a hopeless lost soul just in my in my shorts and my and my calgary flames hockey t-shirt and just walk pants, into, pants, yeah, right? yeah that's right you know <laughs> Sweatpants and scrubs aren't that different, really, at the end of the day. You wear those skin-tight yoga pants, I'm guessing? Uh, Oh, jorts, yes. (laughs) No. (laughs) Leave those for the wife. (laughs) Those those can stay at home. It might make make people too ill there, I think. I don't want to see it. (laughs) I don't blame Uh, you. All right. Do you happen to have a favorite book, blog, podcast that you secretly love and one that you would actually recommend to others. Oh man, I don't know what I am. What I am horribly guilty of for some reason is I I don't know why I do this, but I like going on YouTube and watching those Russian car crash compilations. Okay, I don't know. It's really morbid. Uh, a really morbid thing, but there's one thing I do. I don't know. Every time I go on, I guess I've looked at them enough that every time I go on YouTube, they want to. Uh, they keep offering me new videos of car crashes. That Here's I, the top five crazy crashes today. Yeah, so I like I get I get a guilty pleasure. It's got to be that because that's always like number one on my feed. It's like, hey, check these terrible drivers out. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm, I well, guess I'm interested in this. At, when we were younger, yeah, same, like I can't so, believe this happened or something. Yeah, like, oh like, my yeah. gosh. Oh no, look at that. You know, so but yeah, nothing. Uh, I found. Um, I think the most the most sad thing about being in school as long as I have is I had to read so much for for work that I lost any joy in reading reading books in general there you know and so every time I'll get my professional magazines and I'll read um whatever articles they ever have whatever new research they have whatever new up and coming mm-hmm. uh but as far as actually relaxation legitimate reading you know i don't i can't say i can't say i've done any in the past year probably so that's fair shameful hey (laughs) we'll leave that for you to to feel that way (laughs) (laughs) 
We know the right answer. Oh, yeah. yes, I read at least <laughs> yes. 12 books a year. Yeah. And, oh, uh, all the time. Here's the top five. Yes. I start every year with a Dickens Tale of Two Cities, which I did buy and I have had sitting on my coffee table for roughly eight months now. So there we go. <laughs> There's probably a Cliff Notes online. You can yeah. read that in like a, probably, an afternoon. Do they have a movie? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I am with like the Lord of the Rings. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I've read, I've read the movies. I mean, does that yeah. count? <laughs> it's like it's like that's how I am with Game of Thrones. It's like ah, I really like Game of Thrones. I should read the books. Nah, I'll just watch the I'll just watch the series again. It's it probably seems. not as good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. Uh, I assume you have a smartphone. Yes. Okay. Do you have a favorite <clears throat> app, whether it's business or pleasure? I am guilty of Facebook. I think is probably my most viewed uh, app there. It looks like the the ones I use the most are I I, I like my uh, I really love my Google Play Music I okay. really I, I really really love that and I use that a whole bunch probably I, I sync it in my car on my drive to work I use it at work I use it at night to unwind that's probably my my favorite one but just for mind numbing stories and jokes and watching my friend's kids grow up from far away, you know, is like, I yeah. think uh, I'm pretty guilty of uh, looking at Facebook a little too much there, I'm sure there. So, What's your favorite genre of music? You know, I used to, uh, I used to think it was uh, uh, country or something like that, but I got, I, I, I love my eighties hair bands, you know, I like, I lo- yeah, I love hair bands. I love, uh, I like things like I grew up with. I like Cat Stevens. I like the 70s kind of classic rock kind of and then or, or folk rock, probably more folky type music there. Mm-hmm. And then I also I like hair bands, but then every so often, I mean, John Denver was like pitch perfect there. You know, you listen to that guy sing live and you can't really tell if it's a live recording or if he's been in the studio, you know, having it. And and that stuff just doesn't exist anymore. You know, not that I'm a huge John Denver fan or anything, but if you just listen, it's it's amazing, like the quality of uh, of singers that were produced, at the, you know, in the, you know, at that at that at that time and the and the songs and the lyrics where. I think I saw something where it was like um, Freddie Mercury wrote and produced like a Bohemian Rhapsody all on his own. And then there was something about, you know, a, a Beyonce song, something like girls rule the world, girls rule the world, something like like maybe maybe four verses and it had like six producers and it's two and it's like yeah okay you know john denver was probably using <laughs> auto-tune i'm sure maybe he could have been i don't <laughs> know but, <laughs> but but you know uh, uh, who will never know now we'll right never we'll, know. Ne- <laughs> we'll never know <laughs> well very good very good well uh, how can people find you Gosh, you know, I don't think I'm anywhere. Honestly, I think I've, I've got I've got my I've got my email address, which is uh, martinbayerdc at gmail dot com is where I uh, is where I hang out there, and I have a very uh, a very small pre- presence on Facebook, which I like to post pictures, too many pictures of my dogs, and uh, a dirty joke every now and again, or something that's so obscene that I just have to share with the world but i got a a pretty small uh, fingerprint in the uh in the uh in the in the electronic world there i think so well, that's okay too yeah <laughs> <laughs> well very good i really appreciate your time today I, I really think the guests are gonna get something out of this and and really make them think about uh 
changing jobs if necessary and, and reevaluating and not realizing, I mean, not, and realizing mm-hmm. that it's okay if you're not satisfied and it's okay to explore other options in life. So I really appreciate your, your yeah. candidness and your honesty today. Hey, I'm happy to do that. I just, if anyone is out there who's on the cuffs thinking of doing it, it's not, it's not as bad as it seems there. You know, you can find, you can find joy in almost anything you want to find joy in. And it's, uh, it's the transition from a chiropractor reversed some people say it was a step back to nurse i've never seen it like that i've been i've loved being a nurse it's been a great job for me um just like chiropractic was great to me too it's just it's a a work-life balance you know as you get older and that's what it's all about and i found my balance in nursing that i could never find with my uh with my chiropractic days there so absolutely nothing wrong with that yeah you have a fantastic 2017 you too doctor thanks for having me Thank you, Dr. Martin Byer, for being on the show. You definitely did not disappoint. I know there are a lot of people out there who are struggling with being lost in their job or not being satisfied financially. And then maybe they've tried different things and they just couldn't, it couldn't work. It's not working. So thank you for sharing your journey, your path to job satisfaction, to financial satisfaction. And for the listeners who may have more questions for him, you know, you have his email. So reach out. Stay tuned for the travel tip. It's coming up next. All the show notes can be found at adoctorsperspective.net slash zero six. I almost forgot. I am putting the final touches on a free ebook that I want to give to you guys and gals. Please go to adoctorsperspective.net, top, side, the bottom. There's all kinds of places where you can sign up. Put your email and your name for updates. Once the book is complete, I will send you a email and then you can download it. It is going to be my secret hacks about health, weight loss, strengthening the spine, different things like that. It's very actionable. It's implementable. It's not only can you use it, but also your patients. So go on over to a doctorsperspective.net, sign up, and you'll be the first to know when that ebook is ready for downloads. I am quite active on social media, and the easiest way to connect is to head over to a doctorsperspective.net. Look at the top right and you will see all the social media icons. Just pick your flavor and friend me. I found out in practice that people can hardly pronounce Trosclair, much less spell it. Because of that and username lack of availability, I have a mix of my name and Cajun Cairo. I'm from South Louisiana, aka Cajun Country. I am a Cajun. I am a chiropractor, Cajun Cairo. You will find travel photos, updates, fun comments, etc. Connect comment and I'll respond back. Travel tip this week. When traveling, especially like in Europe or in Asia, you have lots of opportunities to get a hotel or do a hostel. And today is going to be about picking a hostel. Why would you do it? You know, I was 30 and doing some hostels instead of like right out of high school, like on a senior trip, backpacking, you know. So one is to save money. But two is I'm already kind of by myself. I don't really want to spend a day traveling and then go back to my hotel and be by myself. So you get a built-in network of people that are doing exactly what you're doing. So actually you could tour the city with other people from across the world, share stories, really enjoy each other. And yes, of course the hotel, uh, the hostel has, you know, it's like bunk beds in most places. It might be four people, six people, could be all guys, all girls, a mix. So there's a large variety. So definitely read your reviews, kind of think about what would you like? You know, what do you want? 
And if you have a, tri- a trip where you're going to be staying in different parts of the city, it's possible you could book several different hostels and par- across the city. The only thing there is you have to carry all your stuff everywhere. So like a hotel, you can leave your bag at the place and usually have like a locker or something so that it stays safe. And all you got to do is have a little day pack. So we'll talk about hotels another day. But this one is thinking about using a hostel for the networking and, of course, saving a few bucks. We just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.